Welcome to the Conversations That Matter podcast. My name is John Harris. We have another uh, episode for you today. There have been episodes every day this week, and that is not a mistake. It is uh, because there is a lot going on, and I realize uh, if you're being bombarded from every direction, which we are on so many issues, uh, the, we, we have the COVID-19 issue uh, and the government response to that. That's actually the real issue. Uh, we have uh, the election integrity issue. Uh, we have now this whole controversy over nationalism uh, in Christianity, which is, I think, more of a controversy over patriotism. But I'm going to uh, explain that hopefully more in tomorrow's episode. We already did one podcast on it. And what I've realized is the dividing lines are they go so deep. Uh, we have uh, now evangelical elites who are progressives, who are 60s radicals. Uh, I mean, that's the mentality they have. And uh, the, those who wanted to take over the evangelical institutions, like I talk about um, in my book, right here, Social Justice Goes to Church, uh, the, the story that I tell about the 60s radicals, evangelicals, the, those in the 1970s who wanted to take over these institutions, they are uh, in the driver's seat now. Uh, they're protégés. Those who have listened to them, those who have been influenced by other new left sources are holding the reins of power in formerly theologically conservative evangelical circles. The only problem is uh, so many of the rank and file, myself included, aren't buying it. And that frustrates them. And it frustrates them a lot. And so um, I think it's important for us to find out what's the root of this frustration? Why is there a disagreement? This touches on the um, fundamental disagreements, I believe, over the providence of God, uh, over um, not just uh, nationalism, but identity itself. And it, it, it traces right back to, I think, um, a rejection of uh, the Creator and how He has ordained things in so many ways. And so uh, we're going to talk about that tomorrow with Stephen Wolf and Thomas Accord. You're not going to want to miss that episode. Uh, they did a great job on a recent podcast they put out on a philosophy of place. And when I heard them articulate it, because they, they, they articulated something I firmly believe, but um, not many people articulate it well. It is so contrary to the notions we have, the ideological notions that we have, uh, the modern state assumptions we have. Um, we, we just, the, our identities that are now um, supposed to be based more on abstractions, we, we kind of, we're, we're denying ourselves. We have an identity crisis in this country. Uh, over, and there's so many things that contribute to, uh, to it. But I think Stephen Wolf and Thomas Accord, um, they understand this issue better than most. And it's, it's all connected. It's all connected. Uh, the critical race theory stuff is, uh, I think, connected to this as well. Um, and in fact, I, I will say this, and I, I've thought about um, saying this, you know, I think I have said it in the past, but I, recently I, I felt a compulsion, I, I almost a conviction to say this. Um, those who are trying to smash critical race theory into the language of the gospel and put them side by side as if they're, they're, they're some, somehow they have something to do with one another. They're connected in some way. And uh, critical race theory is part of the gospel. And it doesn't even have to be critical race theory. Any of these new left ideas, any of these Marxist concepts, socialist ideas, etc., the whole um, cluster of issues that we are facing right now that are being forced upon us, um, adding to the gospel in that way, uh, that is uh, false teaching. And I don't have a problem saying uh, people like Jarvis Williams, I'll use his as an example. He's a false teacher. There is no doubt in my mind he is a false teacher. And the prayer for him should be that he repents and turns to Christ. And that goes for a lot of these other folks as well in uh, what was once considered conservative evangelicalism. They may mean well. They may be nice personally, but they're promoting a false gospel. Walter Strickland promotes a false gospel. There is no doubt in my mind about this. I have I've done, I've read way too much of what he said. I've listened to way too much of what he said. 
And um, we need leaders, and I'm going to just be honest with you here. We need leaders that are willing to say that, that are willing to say that person's a false teacher or that person's promoting false teaching uh, at the very least. Uh, if someone is unwilling to say that, if they're constantly calling uh, people like that brothers, well, they're just misguided, but they're brothers, uh, we have to reject them as leaders. Uh, and and it's, this is not anything, I'm not trying to be unkind, I'm not trying to um, be uh, you know, overly controversial. I'm not certainly not trying to build, uh, any rapport with myself. I'm, I'm, uh, not, I, I just want to expose this stuff. And, uh, I mean, that's why I wrote this. I mean, it's not to, uh, it's not to make a name for myself. It's not to uh, promote my platform. I don't plan on doing this forever at all. Um, it, it is because I care about the church and I also care about this country. I know that's controversial. Uh, somehow now that is controversial. I care about this country. I think this country ought to be influenced by the principles that we know to be true from the word of God. And one of the things that the word of God says is the Lord hates unjust, uh, weights and measures. The Lord hates lying. The Lord hates stealing. Uh, the Lord hates, uh, haughtiness. Haughty eyes are an abomination to him. Uh, there's so many of the things that we see coming that are being advocated, supported by the evangelical industrial complex are absolute evil. And it's basic stuff. You don't need uh, to know Greek or Hebrew. You don't need to go to seminary to understand this stuff. This stuff is basic. And, you know, it's unfortunate. Um, some people right now in certain areas in this country uh, are better off starting a church themselves than trying to fit into one. And I firmly believe that. I get the emails all the time. Uh, I, and I have had some of my own experiences. I've moved around quite a bit and um, seeing how bleak uh, the situation is out there with uh, pastors who are actually willing to meet the people in their congregation where they're at, talk about the issues that are important to them that they need navigated from a biblical perspective. Those pastors are few and far between. And God bless you pastors who are willing to do that, who are willing to call evil what it is, who are willing to help navigate your congregation through the things that they're actually facing in their real daily lives. Um, that is not, uh, we, we got to get rid of this pietist idea that, you know, that's just not the role of the church to ever uh, talk about things that are in the political realm or the social realm or, you know, th that is ridiculous. That is not uh, biblical orthodox behavior. And it's certainly not a heritage we have uh, as um, those descendant from the Protestant Reformation. I mean, look, this isn't even uh, for, you, you broaden it to Christian dumb. This isn't even how Roman Catholics uh, function uh, or have functioned historically. But we are in this situation now uh, where there is a off-limit sign for pastors to start talking about these issues, unless they do so from a left-leaning perspective. And so many pastors are running for that moderation, that neutrality. They don't want to offend you know, the three people in their congregation who voted for Biden or wh whatever it is. I don't know. Uh, but it's time to get over that because we are in a situation where we need the biblical truth more than anything. And the biblical ethic speaks to the issues that are confronting us, including election fraud, including um, the lockdowns and the uh, and, and everything going on, the constitutional crisis that we're having, uh, people losing their businesses, all of these things. The, the Bible actually gives, it takes work sometimes to delve into Scripture to find, okay, what verses actually give us principles that apply to this situation. That's what, that's what being a pastor, that's what being a teacher, uh, that, that's, that's, that's the job of those people. Um, but we need people who are going to do that. And that's, that's my admonishment uh, to, to you guys um, out there who are in those roles. And I know many of you listen. I get your emails. Uh, please uh, do not be afraid. Uh, you, you only need to fear one person, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Fear God. Uh, do not fear man. 
and, and, and go with him. Uh, he is uh, behind you. The Spirit gives you strength. The Word of God gives you power. Do not shy away from the truth. And this, uh, this is the hour to be speaking the truth and doing so boldly. And it may cost you. And that's the risk that you have to take. And that's the risk that every um, firm preacher of not just the gospel, but biblical truth has had to endure for uh, since the um, initiation of, of Christianity uh, with the coming of Jesus Christ. This is nothing new in that sense. Um, unfortunately, we have a country of f- people with fear. We have men without spines. And uh, as uh, Chesterton said, men without chests, right? Uh, people who are afraid of sometimes their own shadow. They're afraid of their, uh, I don't know what it is. I, I really don't. I've tried to figure this out and I, I don't know what, I, I don't know how to even make sense of all of it. Sometimes people that I thought were fearless in other situations when the the uh, heat is really turned up and it's a political situation where it could cost them, all of a sudden they cower. And um, and and we, we thank God for those who have decided to take a bold stand. Uh, even if at first you know, they maybe they weren't, but that they've come along and now they they are seeing what's going on. They're seeing the truth and they're willing to take a bold stand. We praise God for those kinds of Christian leaders. Look for them. Look for them. There's there's a whole look. What is it? Seventy six percent now. So I don't I don't remember. It fell a little bit, but still a vast majority of conservative evangelicals voted for Donald Trump. Right. Uh, more politically conservative evangelicals, and they don't have much of a home right now. And there's going to be a lot of people. And, and this is not just political conservatives, I'm, theological conservatives as well, which is not necessarily reflected in that number. But they're, they're, I'm saying a majority of evangelicals are mostly theological conservatives. Now, I know some of you are going to say, well, I saw this poll and, you know, look at how many evangelicals don't believe. It. I get that. I understand. Um, in, in, in a way, depending on how you draw these lines, you could certainly say that the majority of those who call themselves evangelical are not really evangelical. And I totally get that. And I understand that. But those who actually are committed uh, to attending church, uh, paying the bills of these ministries, buying resources to help them study the word of God, who are um, th- those you would see regularly on Sunday, etc. Uh, most of those people have inherited conservative biblical ideas. And they're holding on to them, um, many of them at least. Uh, some of them maybe have given some of them up, but there's a siege for them to give up the rest of them. And uh, right now things are moving so fast. They need a home. They need to. They're, they're trying to. They're looking for leaders, and there's going to be many leaders who pop up and say, "That's me." Uh, but uh, we have to test them. You have to test the spirit, see if they're from God. And I'm saying to you, one of the tests is to see how bold are they. Are they able to refute those who contradict? It's one of the requirements for being an elder. Are they able to do it? Are they willing to do it? I mean, that's the main thing now. Are they willing to do it? Are they willing uh, to identify wolves by name and say that is a wolf? If, if, if there's any kind of hesitation on that, uh, it's one thing to have to, you know, you have to know who the wolf is. But if you have that information, if it's obvious and you're not willing to say it, then that, that has to, we have to question that. Uh, this is not the time for half measures. So that's my little uh, pep talk that I wasn't expecting to give, but um, that's just that's been on my heart. And uh, and look, the Lord is sovereign. The Lord is gracious. He is good. He has his uh, his own who have not bowed the knee to Baal. They're out there, guys. And and you can find each other. And um, I I promise you, I am working on uh, figuring out ways to connect all of y'all. <laughs> Try to get you together so that you can form churches. And it may be that, you know, all the PhD, all the THM and MDiv guys in your area are compromised or weak, and you need to be the one as a welder or a farmer or a trucker to start the church. And there is nothing wrong with that. 
you want to be humble. You want to try to you know get the training that you can get where you can get it. Uh, it's very hard to come by that these days, but um, you may be uh, a better option. And um, the Lord uh, gives, this is one of the things that's so important for us all to understand right now. And this goes back to something that comforts us in the sovereignty of God. He has, um, he, he is the spirit of God. Is, is looking for, for, for worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth, and he is equipping the saints. It is the spirit. It is not a committee. It is not a seminary uh, it, institution. It is not, um, it's not actually even your pastor or your elders, um, fundamentally speaking. Now, you want that oversight as much as possible. You want that oversight. It's not always available, and we see in the book of Acts it wasn't always available. But as, as much as is possible, uh, you want uh, the local church. I mean, when you're starting a local church in an area and you're a missionary, uh, hopefully you're sent from somewhere else. Hopefully you even have that kind of oversight. But, um, but we um, are in a situation now where, um, where, where I think common people are going to have to step up to the plate and realize the Spirit of God, as 1 Corinthians 12 tells us, is the one who administers the gifts. It's not up to any human or group of humans to do that. And if you have the gift, even if you're a trucker and you're reluctant, um, you, you pray about it. That's, that's my encouragement. Pray about it. The Lord is going to raise up the weak things to shame the strong. And the strong right now are those uh, who have these institutions. I mean, most of them aren't even, it's not even like the, many of them are uh, church elders. Um, I, I was shocked. I mean, I probably shouldn't say the name of this person just yet because uh, I haven't thought this through. But I was shocked to find out uh, that... Um, Oh, you know what? I'll just say it. It doesn't really it doesn't really affect much. I was shocked to find out that right now, currently speaking, uh, the provost for the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is not an elder. It's not a and and, and I think there was a time. I think perhaps uh, he was. And I, I'm just this is someone who's training pastors, right? Uh, who's uh, basically in line to take over an institution that is the flagship school for uh, the biggest denomination in North America, well, in the United States, and doesn't is not an elder at the church in that that he attends uh currently speaking at least now that that's that's unusual to me that's should that even be the case many of the people that are in these positions of so-called authority uh they they don't they don't even have that so don't be intimidated by them don't don't look at that as well that must be legitimate authority because it, it has the name of an institution on it that doesn't mean anything <laughs> Okay, well, we would hope that an institution would be doing a good job to vet and train people, but that is, we're finding out now, in 2020, we're losing faith in most of our institutions. It's the Spirit of God that gives those gifts, all right? And, and that, so that's my encouragement uh, to you. Um, the Spirit, has a, he hasn't left. He's not, um, you know, it could be, it's possible that, uh, you know, the United States of America is under the judgment of God, and, you know, the Spirit of God... Um, is not working in the same way in which he used to work. That is possible, but he's still at work. And in the lives of believers, he is certainly at work. And he's going to preserve his people, and you can be part of that. And uh, I would encourage you, locate those leaders in your community, uh, wherever you find them, and and follow them. Follow them, but uh, but make sure you vet them. Make sure you be a berean about it. Compare what they say to Scripture. See if they're actually strong and they're willing to refute those who contradict, etc. All right, that's my little pep talk. Uh, hopefully that was uh, it burned a fire under you and got you a little pumped up this morning. Um, and it's not it's not a hopeless thing, guys. Uh, this was a hopeful thing. Uh, this is this is a good thing. Uh, if we've been lied to for a long time. If we've been deceived, it's good to know it. And and many are starting to realize it. They're they're figuring it out now. 
And that is a really, really good thing. It, it makes way for those who are honest and do have integrity to step up to the plate. Um, one final announcement about this book. I had uh, said on the podcast yesterday that those who ordered it on the 16th and 17th would also receive a free copy of Social Justice, is uh, Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. Or, yeah, I think that's the name of it, by Scott David Allen. And the deal is, so many people ordered this that I ran out of Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. But don't worry, what I've decided to do is if you order today on the 17th, you will still get this. And hopefully in time for Christmas. It's kind of, we're on a razor's edge. I'm going to the post office later today. I'm going to send them out. But um, if... uh, you know, if, you, if you're one of the ones that did not get a copy uh, because I ran out of uh, why social justice is not biblical justice, I'm going to send it to you separately. Uh, and I'm looking, I, I sent out an email this morning to see if I can get a bulk shipment in, how fast I can get it, all that kind of stuff. If not, I'm ordering it on Amazon and sending it to you because I'm going to honor my word on this. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyone who ordered on the 16th and 17th, they're going to get both those books. Go to socialjusticegoestochurch.com and you can pick up your copy. Again, this is a history of uh, the movement. Uh, It'll help you identify some aspects of progressive evangelicalism. It is not an apologetics book. I've been working on an apologetics book. Uh, I'll I'll be honest, for the past few few weeks, I haven't written a word in it. (laughs) It's because of all this stuff that's been going on. Uh, And and, and a lot of that stuff is good things. Um, I mean, I submitted a proposal yesterday for a 1607 project, uh, and I may form a 501c3. Uh, if the organization that I talk to about it doesn't want to take it. So there's there's a lot of good things happening. Um, I'm hoping still to get that out, though. I was hoping before Christmas. I think the reality is it'll probably be February at the earliest before I'd be able to get something like that out. But it is in the works. Uh, your support does help, and I appreciate that. Uh, we are now uh, almost 18 minutes into the podcast. I haven't gotten to the topics um, for today. And, uh, you know, I thought this was going to be a shorter podcast, but... Um, uh, you know, every time I say that, you know, I'm, I'm a long-winded guy. Maybe that, that's God t- telling me by his spirit that I need to be a preacher. I don't know. Uh, preachers, you know, tend to be long-winded um, and have corny dad jokes. That's the other thing. And they play golf. And, well, my dad was a preacher, so I can, I can say some of this stuff. You know, they, uh, anyway, I, I have some of that stuff going on. I've never played golf, though. I have to be honest with you. That's the one thing. I don't know if there's something in the Bible that says you have to do that. Uh, it does seem like a lot of pastors do it, though. Um Let's, let's start off, though, here uh, with, uh, this is a post that I just made on, um, what's a nation? What's a nation? This is what I'm going to talk to you about uh, with Thomas Accord and Stephen Wolf tomorrow. Two verses and George Washington's farewell address. I want you to hear this. Uh, Genesis 10, 5, the nations were separated into their lands, everyone according to his language, according to their families, into their nations. We find land, we find language, we, t- we find family. Land, language, family. That's what a nation is, guys. I don't think those who translated this into English did uh, an incorrect job. I think that's exactly what a nation is. Uh, Acts 17.26 is sort of a New Testament parallel. He made from one man every nation, nation of mankind, ethnos, to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and boundaries of their habitation. Times and boundaries. Place. Not space. Place. We uh, find in George Washington's farewell address, I think, something that parallels this. Uh, The name of uh, American, which belongs to you in your national capacity, must always exalt the just pride of patriotism more than any appellation derived from local discriminations. With slight shades of difference, you have the same religion, manners, habits, and political principles. Religion, manners, habits, political principles. Most of these things come from from where? From families. Um, 
They come from being in the same spot, experiencing some of the same things, uh, speaking the same language, having the same religion. It's a fluid thing, kind of, but it's a very distinct thing. You can't, um, you, you can't distill it, perhaps, and describe every aspect of it. There's no way to do that. It's not an abstract thing. But you, you recognize it when you see it. When you come home after being on a trip, you know what it means to be with your people. It doesn't mean they all have the same uh, genetics of you ne- as you necessarily. They could, they could be in the same place. But nations uh, also change when other people groups uh, link together with them, etc., uh, it's marriage. That's the key thing. That's why, oh, you're, you're, you know, you hear things like, well, you're just being, um, you're, you're an alt-right person or something like that. If you think that there's any place for, uh, genetics in this, well, here, here's where the genetics fit in, fits in here to this whole equation. Um, culture, na- nations, right? This culture, we're, we're talking about some of the same things. They are, per- it's per- perpetuated most and this is in the sovereignty of god this is his providence it's perpetuated through men and women coming together and having children that's genetics right there that's genetics this is the way in which the word race used to be used critical race theorists get this all wrong yeah darwin came along and you know race all of a sudden became all about genetics um race didn't used to be all about genetics it was the stuff i just I'm, I'm telling you right now, it's a, it was about the land you live in. It was about the language you spoke, the religion you had, the values you, you held, the, the manners, the customs, traditions. That was what a people was. That's what, that's what a race was. Um, the, the changing of definitions, is, is, has to, a lot of it has to do with that. But there are some really seismic differences between progressive evangelicals and what I would consider to be conservative evangelicals, both theologically and politically. And I'm going to tell you what I think it is. The Tower of Babel tendency exists among the progressive evangelicals. This is, and let me just connect the dots for you here. This is exactly what the World Economic Forum wants. The Great Reset is about a neo-Tower of Babel. It is about bringing every, cutting down all the barriers, language barriers, every kind of barrier, and bringing everyone into one, organized, working like a machine. Uh, and if you don't fall into line, a social credit score will punish you so that you will be forced to fall into line. It is about top-down to totalitarian control, but make no mistake, it's a modern utopia that will get rid of all the divisions uh, that exist between people groups because, let's face it, those things cause people to war with each other. Just like uh, the Enlightenment was a reaction against some of the, in some part ways, uh, the wars that were caused... In, in, in theory, and, and in fact, in, in many places, wars that were caused by religious differences. And, well, religion must be the problem. We need to go secular. Well, now it's nations are the problem. We need to go international. We need globalism. That's the Tower of Babel, guys. It's bringing it back together. And, uh, and, and that's what I think Big Eva, if you want to call it that, the evangelical industrial complex, that's what they're invested in. Many of them are knowingly invested in this. Some of them are unknowingly. And they're using, they're cherry-picking verses from the scripture uh, to try to um, somehow create this idea that the Bible teaches that they're really, we, we, because of loving your neighbor and these basic principles, which honestly are just being, um, <laughs> they're being filled with um, ideas that are not coming from scripture, but they're, they're passing under uh, the, the veneer of these basic principles like loving neighbor and justice, etc., that... Uh, inclusion, equity, diversity, tolerance means uh, getting rid of national boundaries. It means uh, succumbing to the authoritarian control of those outside even our country uh, or those who have interests. I don't know if you've been paying attention 
to what's happening with this election. Uh, something else I wanted, uh, you know, as we go along here, I wanted to show you this, this um, uh, the Navarro report put out this uh, 36 page document called the Immaculate Deception, six key dimensions of elect election ir uh, irregularities. This, if you want to share with your friend, oh, uh, there's no voter fraud, share with them this one. There, and there's so many places you can go, but this is one of the best ones you can go through. And it is simple. It is well-written. It is sourced correctly. It is, uh, it's got a great bibliography at the end. Uh, the person who wrote this is willing to go head-to-head -head with anyone from MSNBC, etc. And it shows the states where different kinds of fraud happen. And, and you'll notice there are six different categories. Outright voter fraud, ballot mishandling, contestable process fouls, equal protection clause violations, voting machine irregularities, significant statistical anomalies. And it gives you examples in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin. I'm going to put this in the info section. Uh, this is important, I think. Share this on social media. Send it to your friends. Uh, we need to get the word out there on this because it's not over, guys. It's not over. And um, relating this to what I was just talking about with the Tower of Babel tendency, uh, this report does not go into it uh, as much, but there is evidence now coming out that China has been involved in this operation, uh, this disinformation campaign, uh, and the election itself to steal the election. Trevor Loudon came on the program a few weeks ago. We talked about it. Uh, Trevor did a great job. He has um, shown the connections between the Chinese Communist Party and elements in this country to uh, uh, get out the vote for Democrats. Um, then you also have uh, the new uh, allegations of uh, Chinese uh, um, accessing servers that were involved in tabulating the vote in certain states. This is nothing to play around with. Um, this is, this is, I mean, how many things, uh, you know, are we seeing today with China? We have um, uh, this spy that was compromising a congressman from California. I mean, we, we had Barbara Boxer's uh, uh, driver, what, that was not too long ago, you know, it was a Chinese spy. Um, we, I mean, look at what the Chinese are doing, these islands they're building uh, in the South China Sea, uh, their Belt and Road Initiative, they're controlling so many of the countries in Africa. They basically own the World Health Organization. Uh, they own the Panama Canal. They, they control many countries now in South America. They are, they're on our doorstep, and they want us. And they didn't want Trump, they wanted Biden. And now we're finding out of all the things that are compromising Joe Biden and Hunter Biden uh, that are, have their roots in China. And so... Uh, this is this is not a good thing. This is something that uh, we should be concerned about. If you care about your country, if you care about nations, cultures, if you care about those things, and and uh, and you want to preserve those things, uh, then this is something that you'll care about. But if not, if that doesn't mean anything to you, and you want to get rid of the boundaries, and you want to get rid of um, this is uh, this horrible racist xenophobic idea that we're somehow, you know, Americans should take care of Americans first and that our responsibility is to our own people, that kind of thing, uh, then you're not going to care about this. And that's a huge dividing line. And, and it's really, um, Big Eva is in love with these abstract ideas that don't even stem from scripture. And common people living their common lives, working class individuals generally are more in, they're, they're, they're thinking about their family, their country, uh, they're, they're tied in with, uh, you know, their, their heritage and uh, those who have come before them and the, that legacy and those kinds of things, the things that are true and valuable in that, and they don't want to see it go. A lot of blood has been spilled in preserving the freedoms we enjoy, including the freedom to worship God, as, as according to conscience, the dictates of conscience. And that is uh, hanging by a thread right now, guys. It is hanging by a thread.
And you don't see these big Eva types, these elites in evangelical circles caring about it one bit. In fact, they're pushing the envelope for the other side. And it is to the shame of these big evangelical types that you have those without, who don't have the best theology, but they love their people and they understand some rudimentary biblical principles and they're going to get out there and they're going to try to defend the uh, integrity of the election. Uh, making fun of those people, saying, oh, how horrible they are. Okay, you can maybe find some errors. Maybe they, they said some things that were totally off theologically. What are you doing? Where's, they're the only ones, they're the game in town because they're the ones that have the concern over this. I'm not defending bad theology. I know there was a rally last week and the, some of the speakers had some bad theology. I get it. I get it. But where are those who have supposedly good theology? Do they even care about the people they're supposedly trying to help? If you're not getting answers about the issues that I'm bringing up right now from your evangelical leaders, from the sources you go to for information, you got to ask yourself why. Why is it that um, so many of you who are probably listening to my broadcast, you're going to sources like um, like Bannon's War Room. You know, you're going to YouTube or uh, to Rumble, and you're you're tuning into War Room, which is growing by leaps and bounds because they're actually even it's not even a Christian outfit. It's not political populist conservatives, but they're actually trying to address because it's something that's important: fraud, election integrity, and it's not over. And they're and they're giving hope to people. They're showing, hey, if we can sway some public opinion, the, the numbers are coming in our direction. People are starting to ask questions. Uh, there was just this committee hearing yesterday where Rand Paul spoke out about this. Um, we could have a situation in which Congress does not certify this vote, and you have. Uh, a constitutional crisis, but um, but it, look, Trump's still in this to win this. And there's a reason the media is very desperate. Uh, why did Biden have to come out and make a speech after the Electoral College vote? He shouldn't have had to do that if everyone was on board. It's because everyone's not on board. And he knows it, and he has to reinforce it. And uh, there's no way to govern a country where half the country, or more than half, thinks that this election was stolen. Because now Democrats are starting to wake up to this. They're seeing the stuff coming out about the Hunter Biden laptop, which they didn't see before, and they're starting to wonder about the election itself. Those who care about truth on a basic level, this is so basic. God cares about truth. Those who also care about truth are going to find out sources that are going to that are going to try to expose this and help people navigate this and give them uh, some ideas of what they can do because people feel helpless and they've lost faith in the institutions. And I've tried to tell you on this program some of the things you can do. I still have guests lined up. Even this morning, guys, I had guests that I was reaching out to. Uh, getting, I, I got, um, I got someone from who, who I'm excited actually to have this guest on. Someone from South Africa who actually was born in Rhodesia. Uh, if you know anything about the histories of those places, you'll know why I'm having them on. And we're going to talk about uh, what a future might look like in a Biden administration with a Black um, Lives Matter narrative governing the day. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of the things because they've happened where this person is living in South Africa uh, in, in different ways, but same kind of thing. Uh, Marxism, uh, race-based Marxism, uh, using that as a wedge by which to control people. Um, we, I, you know, I have uh, someone right now uh, who... Um, has agreed to come on uh, at some point who is very good with uh, teaching about uh, some, some of the ideas that are on people's minds, but they're afraid to talk about it. And I even have to be um, careful in how I present this. But uh, what do you do uh, when the, all the institutions break down and the rule of law is disregarded? Um, are there, uh, is there a precedent, uh, even in the American Revolution, uh, perhaps, a war for independence, I should say, uh, for um, opposing this with force? 
And what does that look like? These are questions people are asking. These are questions, honestly, the, the Christian leaders that you listen to probably need to start talking about. So we're, we're, we're trying to be ahead of this, guys, we're, as much as we possibly can. And, um, and I, I just want to present to you information I think will be helpful to you. That is my mission uh, in all this. But, here, but here's some things you can do, guys, if you're concerned about this. Uh, go to uh, the, um, the link that I put uh, in the info section. Share that, uh, the Immaculate Deception, on your social media platforms. You can at least do that, right? Um, t- talk to your—I've uh, already called mine— uh, Call, I don't care what state you're in, call your representatives uh, just to, to let them know or email them or both. Uh, send them a letter if you want to. Say, look, I want you to challenge this. When it comes, uh, when the Electoral College vote is to be certified by Congress, I want you to challenge this. I don't want this being certified because we have some real questions about it. And if that means Nancy Pelosi has to be president for a certain amount of time, oh, I pray that doesn't happen. Um, then if here's the, here's the thing, guys. We don't handle this now. It'll never be handled. It'll never be handled. If this gets uh, through, if, if, if election fraud like this goes unpunished, we won't have a free and fair election again. Not until this is dealt with and the time to deal with it is now. While Trump is in the White House, while there is some kind of pushback that exists, that won't exist when, once Biden's in there, guys. It will be, I do believe, it'll be the end of the republic as we know it. And it, okay, it's not going to probably be Armageddon the next day. But you give it a few years, guys, and see what kinds of things happen. See what the Great Reset feels like. Time to fight is now. Call your senator. Call your congressman. Uh, share that, um, that link. Uh, and, hey, if you want good information and you're more of the, you know, most of the people listening to me are working class types. You're out there earning a living. Well, subscribe to Bannon's War Room. I mean, I don't, I've never said this. I don't think I've ever said this. Maybe I have. I don't know about something that's not a, you know, quoting a Christian kind of ministry thing, you know, um, usually on the podcast i mean that's but but this is this is something so basic and yet it is being covered up and we're in the middle of this disinformation campaign i mean look i could be banned from youtube for even saying this i don't know but uh i i, I want to be honest i want to be able to sleep at night and i want to be able to give you all the resources uh that i can and so hopefully that helps you out go to uh, the Navarro report uh, in that vein we're talking about china i want to uh, switch gears here i want to uh read for you I know not, a, not all of you have the time to read. You're out there, you're working, you're making a living for your family. God bless you as you do that. I want to read for you an article uh, that I think is important. Billionaire linked to Chinese Communist Party has given extensively to Americans, including to evangelical Christians. This was published on the Capstone Report on December 16th. The link is in the info section. And there's a picture here, and you got a bunch of uh, global elites sitting with someone who we are about to read about. And this is relevant because, as we're finding out, the Chinese have all these connections to many different elements within our government. We are now finding out it is actually bigger than that. The Chinese Communist Party has also influenced some of our evangelical institutions. And should this be a surprise to anyone? No, it should not. A billionaire linked to the Chinese Communist Party and a sect condemned as heretical by evangelical Christians has given extensively to influential evangelical Christians like the Christian Research Institute. As early as 2009, tax records show the Christian Research Institute received a $200,000 grant from the Morningside Foundation. CRI received another grant worth $425,000 in 2010. Morningside Foundation is a charitable organization of Ronnie Chan and his brother, Gerald Chan. 
Ronnie Chan is a member and leader of the local church movement, a group founded by Witness Lee and confronted by an open letter in 2007 was uh, from leading evangelical leaders over aberrant beliefs that contradict Orthodox Christianity. The open letter was signed by numerous Southern Baptists, including Danny Aiken, uh, David Allen, Paige Patterson, and Malcolm Yarnell. Suspiciously absent from the notable signers is Al Mohler. Not my words, this is the article. In December 2009, the Christian Research Institute defunded the local church movement in an issue declaring we were wrong. A reassessment of the local church movement of Watchman Nee and Witnessly in this publication, Bible Answer Man and President of the Christian Research Institute, Hank Hanegraaff, defended the doctrines of the local church movement. This was not the first time Hanegraaff sided with the local church movement. In a 2006 amicus brief, he sided with the local church movement's lawsuit against John Ankerberg, John Weldon, and Harvard House Publishers over the local church movement's inclusion in the Encyclopedia of Cults and New Religions. The open letter to the local church movement's highlights significant areas of disagreement over the doctrine of God, the doctrine of man, between Orthodox Christians and local church movement. You can read Dr. Norman Geisler's information informative document on the local church movement's theological issues here, and they have a link. Previously, it has been reported how this same billionaire, Ronnie Chan, has given extensively to Harvard University's T.H. Chan School of Public Health and is involved in influential organizations like the Asia Society and Bergruen Institute, which has ties to the Transition Integrity Project and the Commission on Presidential Debates. Uh, if you remember correctly, the uh, Harvard University's Chan School of Public Health, that was the one pushing this idea uh, that they put out this article that two plus two isn't necessarily four. They were linked to that. I remember somehow it's uh, coming sparking in my mind as I'm reading this. Um, and I believe they were also linked to the Wuhan lab um, where the virus uh, apparently or originated or was discovered. Chan is known to have influence in both Beijing, Beijing and Washington. Chan is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations and was recently honored for his service to the Asia Society. The National Pulse reported Ronnie Chan governs the controversial Chinese Communist Party-led China-United States Exchange Foundation, a controversial foundation registered as a foreign agent that targets American University with donations. The T.H. Chan School of Public Health of Harvard is a leading proponent of lockdowns and identity politics and healthcare. Also, it recently promoted the absurd idea that 2 plus 2 is 5. Yes, I remember correctly. In other words, the T.H. Chan School of Public Health is working to divide America and harm its long-term economic interests. This is not the first time billionaires have been linked to donations to evangelical Christian organizations. We've reported on Democrat billionaires giving to Southern Baptist Conventions, Ethics, and Religious Liberty Commission. And that's true. That, uh, And of course, George Soros is one of the main ones. And that is not a farce. That is absolutely proven. I've held the documents in my hand before that article was even published. And I saw what Open Societies was saying about Russell Moore and how grateful they were for him. Because, and they took credit for him because they funded him. Also, convicted billionaire, Clinton campaign donor James Riotti has given to Reformed Theological Seminary. It's interesting, Reformed Theological Seminary. Uh, you, you know about Reformed Theological Seminary, right? That's uh, Lincoln Duncan. A key question for all Christians and conservatives is why are so many billionaires spending so much money influencing the church in America? This is absolutely spot on. And there's a reason. I This is the first time I'm reading this article. I'm reading it to you through the video. There's a reason I didn't feel the need to uh, read it first. And that's because I've known about this for a long time. I've heard about this for about two years. Uh, and the, the, the Riotti, Chan, uh, Soros, uh, and, and there's others, by the way. But those, those three especially, I've heard those names being dropped here and there 
uh, from people uh, who, who know about these things. And, um, and this is uh, finally what's happening, I think, right now, guys, is a lot of people are coming forward. I don't know if you saw the, but the um, it was the uh, former CEO of Overstock.com came out. Uh, now, I think it was either yesterday or the day before. And he said that in an interview, uh, which, would, by the way, was at the Trump Hotel, I believe, he said that he was um, basically he was working with the FBI to bribe Hillary Clinton. It was like a sting operation to accept a $19 million donation, et cetera, help uh, in, in, in return for favors. This was fake. It was it was a bribe. Uh, I mean, it was it was it was a, a sting operation, and it was from the Obamas. And what he said was that the Obamas, uh, through a secret service agent, told him, uh, not, yeah, I believe it was secret service. He said uh, that the Hillary Clinton, it was in the bag. Hillary Clinton would be the president for the next two years, next two terms, and then Michelle Obama would run. And it was already decided, it was already settled, and that they would use the information that this former CEO of Overstock.com had helped in retrieving to um, manipulate Hillary Clinton while she was president. Uh, th this, is, this is coming out now? Why is this coming out now? Why is this stuff about Chan? Why is it coming out now? I think the reason for a lot of this is people know the jig is up. They know that we are on the precipice of losing everything that you probably have grown up with and known about this country. The, all the, the uh, civil liberties that are uh, in our founding documents, uh, we're in danger of losing those things. And uh, people are getting desperate, and so they are coming forward now. People who were afraid to come forward before, afraid that they would be sued. if they, or, or, I mean, <laughs> in the case of the former CEO of Overstock, I think it would be uh, fear of getting killed. Uh, that fear is starting to make way for a greater fear. And the greater fear is that this country will not be around for children, grandchildren, posterity. Uh, which again brings us back to culture and, uh, and how culture is perpetuated, but I digress. Um, so uh, I wanted to share that with you. Now here's another article um, on the flip side of everything I've been saying and trying to update you on, I want to share this article uh, from Michael Horton. Now, I had said, um, I think it was last week, I shared, I, I read a Gospel Coalition article, and I said, look, I haven't read this article. It was on a, it was on a multicultural Christmas. And I, I did have one person say, look, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't uh, read the article without, for, you know, don't, don't read it for the first time. Make sure that you already know it, study it, and then give us what you think. And most of the time I do do that. But I had way more people uh, saying that they liked that, um, from what I could tell at least, uh, from uh, some of the comments and stuff. You, you, the live reaction of uh, finding out something together, discovering something together, uh, you like that. Uh, so I'm going to, um, this is Stream of Consciousness. We're going to go through this article I have not read, but it's gotten a lot of play. And I've had some people ask me about it. The Cult of Christian Trumpism by Michael Horton, December 16th, 2020, it came out. We're going to read this together, and I'll give you some thoughts and comments on it as we go. Uh, and, uh, and, and I'll do this every so often for those who enjoy it. Starts off <clears throat> on Saturday, December 12th. A bizarre rally was held on the Washington Mall. Shofars were blown. A flyover from Marine One was cheered by shouts of praise to the Messiah, evidently distinguished from Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's a little sarcastic. My Pillow founder Mike Lindell shared prophetic visions of Donald Trump. 
Now, I listened to some of this, by the way, and I heard, I think, most of what Mike Lindell said, and I don't really remember it being, I don't know if he would have considered it prophecy. Um, I, I don't think he phrased it that way, but uh, there were certainly people on the stage that, that later on came up that did share some things that were, uh, I would consider to be prophetic and just not helpful. Uh, I don't think Mike Lindell was one of them, but... I, I am willing to be corrected if I miss something. I did listen to, I think, two hours of it. Beth Moore sounded the alarm. And David French, David French and Beth Moore. Hmm. David French offered wise analysis. Shows you, who wrote this? This is Michael Horton. Michael Horton, of all people, White Horse Inn guy. Guess that's where he's at. Okay, Rod Dreyer, who just published a book decrying left-wing totalitarianism, wrote that he began to think that all of this is the right-wing Christian version of critical race theory and various doctrines held by the woke left. Dreyer was struck by how enthusiastically evangelicals seem to participate in the interreligious festivities. An American-born Israeli man uh, received permission from his Orthodox rabbi to break Shabbat, to blow his shofar and another red, and white, and blue decorated Trump shofar. Roman Catholic representatives invoked the Virgin Mary and the saints. Now, Interestingly enough, as I'm reading this, thinking, the Gospel Coalition, in the last article we did on a multicultural Christmas, and in fact, let's go there real quick. Multicultural Christmas. I can type it in. Uh, Gospel Coalition. Let's see here. Uh, they, they were promoting some ideas. Um, oh, it's not coming up. Hmm. Let's try this one more time. They were promoting ideas in that article uh, that, if I'm not mistaken, there it is, making space for a multicultural Christmas. Uh, we have, they, they, they wanted people to celebrate uh, Posadas, which was remembering the outcasts, outcasts. and uh, which I, I'm thinking, if this, this is Central America, uh, they have a link to it too. Let's, let's click on the link. Posadas. Um... I'm willing to bet that this is a Roman Catholic celebration. Yep, <laughs> here it is. It's in the history on Wikipedia, and as a Wikipedia, mind you. But uh, yeah, they're they're saying it's a, this is a Roman Catholic, um, and the rosaries used. Okay, yes, all right. So if you're going to celebrate what the Gospel Coalition, I I thought so. Uh, what else do we have here? There's a bunch of other. How about Dia de los Reyes and celebrating Gentile faith? I wonder. That's in Argentina. Do you think that's uh, maybe a Catholic celebration as well. Um, interesting. I don't know. But uh, but as we're reading this other article, did did you remember anyone when that Gospel Coalition article came out? Did anyone say anything negative about it? How about when all the evangelicals were marching, all the, the evangelical elites who did march, were marching in these pro-Black Lives Matter rallies? Uh, how about, um, oh, who was the pastor? There's a pastor down in Texas, a big pastor. I can't, the name's escaping me now, um, who... Uh, was saying all sorts of things about uh, it's so good. You, you know that uh, the people of God are present. Meanwhile, it wasn't an overtly Christian um, evangelical, certainly, or event. Um, I, I mean, I, I remember covering it a couple months. It's blurry now because it was a couple months ago. But uh, th there's been a number of ecumenical-ish type of things that have happened. And I don't remember anyone losing their mind over it in Big Eva. Uh, so I'm, I just want to put the shoe on the other foot for a minute. Um, but th there's something correct about this. 
uh, that event did have, uh, there were Roman Catholics there. Um, now, were they there in the sense that uh, they, this is one of the questions I think that has to be asked. And it's one of, I think this is one of the differences, possibly. Uh, when you publish an article in the Gospel Coalition, or you come out in your capacity as a pastor, and, and you're, you know, you're reformed or whatever, uh, you're orthodox in your theology, supposedly, and you come out and you join hands with others, uh, and you, um, you say you're there for a religious reason, right? Which is really, that's the Black Lives Matter stuff uh, was, and even the COVID stuff now, you know, you need to take the inoculation. Have you seen these tweets recently from like Duke Kwan, um, Herschel York, saying absolutely ridiculous stuff. Herschel York was saying that on Twitter, uh, anti-vaxxers, he compared to anti-brassers. I said one of the things that you, is a requirement to be a pastor is you have to have dad jokes. I mean, this is like the worst dad joke ever. Anti-brassers, those who uh, didn't want to look at the brass snake uh, to get well during Moses's time are the same as anti-vaxxers. I mean, give me a break. That's uh, a type and shadow of the Messiah. You're really comparing the vaccine to the salvation. I mean, what in the world? And then Duquan came out and said something very similar that we're in this, the already and not yet is like, having the vaccine but not being able to get it like are you kidding me redemptive history is like the vaccine so they spiritualize these things spiritualize black lives matter jd Gurr says it's a gospel issue it's a gospel issue as people from his church uh in fact that one of the youth pastors i believe it was uh went out and marched with them well if we're doing that right if evangelicals are supposedly involved in those things these political things on the left for religious reasons. It's part of our Christian duty to be part of these things. I don't think, I, I'm just telling you from listening to this event, I don't think that's necessarily the same motivation of the people that were at this, uh, this rally. There may be some who were, but this actually seems flipped. This rally that is being talked about here by uh, Michael Horton was more um, a political rally. It was the purpose of coming together was, it was Christians, yes, uh, and, and broadly speaking, Christian dumb uh, coming together to basically support Donald Trump. So this is very important. I'm going to blow this up so you can read this as I'm going along. Those who are in, on the left, Big Eva, etc., they've been very active this year politically. They what they're doing is they're infusing political ideas into biblical ones. They're taking biblical ideas like justice and you know mercy and love and stuff, and they're infusing these political categories into them. Uh, they are going out and they're marching with these political groups uh, for religious reasons. They're, they're doing it um, as a religious duty. They're trying to, you want to talk about binding conscience, saying Black Lives Matter is a gospel issue. I mean, come on. I mean, this, this is part of your Christian duty is to go out and to march with these. That is confusion, guys. What I see on the right, and I'm not saying I don't, some of that doesn't exist on the right, but what I'm seeing more on the right is an infusion of biblical views into political ones. Um, so let me, let me explain this before I keep going with this article. So, so the right tends to think of politics as its own separate realm, uh, but it is uh, accountable to God. And so uh, when there's cheating and stealing going on, then it is on the basis of a religious understanding, on the basis of biblical truth, that Christians come out. Uh, and, and people of other faiths, perhaps even. They come out and they say that's wrong. So what they're doing is they're applying their religious views to a political issue, right? That is wholly different than... Uh, taking political views and infusing them into your religion. Do you see the difference? I hope you can see that because it is a big difference uh, to, to review because I know this is going to be hard for some, some people. You got to think through this. 
infusing political views into biblical ones is different than infusing biblical views into political ones. All right. And I think that's one of the primary differences. Now, there are people on the right who do this. I, in fact, I, I think I caught one example of it during the, uh, the rally in question here when there was a, a Roman Catholic who went up and uh, a Protestant who was emceeing said, you know, we're just having a worship service here as, as we're praying, as the Roman Catholic, I think, I think they were praying and then singing Ave Maria and stuff. Well, you know, that's not the primary purpose that this, uh, th this I mean, it, it was not... It was more meant, I think, to apply biblical understanding to a political uh, or, or faith-based understanding into a political um, issue. Uh, so the lines got blurred there when it was made into a worship service. But that wasn't—look, General Flynn talked, and I didn't get the flavor that this was a worship service anymore. This was—what uh, they were doing was they were rallying because they believe this election has been stolen. And it was a stop-the-steal rally. That's what it was from people who have identities uh, of being part of certain uh, religions, and they were within Christendom, so Catholics and Protestants. That's what I saw. And yeah, there was a moment there I did feel uncomfortable, I'll be honest. But I, to, to then, to, to equate the two, though, I just don't think it's fair. I don't think they're—it's not even close. Uh, those on the left who are going out and marching with BLM, who are promoting the you loving your neighbor is getting the shot. Have you, have you seen these crazy, these crazy tweets from, like, Duke Kwan— and um, there was one from Herschel York where they're saying things like uh, Herschel York said, you know, those who didn't look at the serpent in the wilderness were like the anti-vaxxers. That's what he was implying. And so what? Like that type and shadow of mess of salvation is now all of a sudden <laughs> that the vaccine is like Christ coming. And so you're comparing the vaccine to the salvation that's in Christ or the salvation that, that was the shadow that came from the serpent um, when those of uh, who were sick looked at the serpent who were bitten got well. I mean, come on. Uh, and then Duke Kwan saying that, oh, it's like uh, the already and not yet, getting the vaccine. We have it, but we haven't received it. So it's like redemptive history is the vaccine. This is what you see on the left. This is what you see. I mean, Herschel York teaches at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's respected there. He's like, he's, you know, one step below Matt Hall and Al Mohler. What do you say to that? You know, and they're, they're, TGC isn't go going after that. Of course they're not. They're supporting that kind of thing. Um, so so that, this is the hypocrisy of this whole thing. Uh, and and it's, I don't know what else to say. It, it's very, it's discouraging in some ways um, because the guns only point in one direction. And then it's almost like they try to purposely misunderstand the purpose for that rally last week. Um, don't let evangelicals reject worship of any other than the triune God and even the intercession of Mary and the saints. Yes, yes, TGC uh, broke that rule just a week ago. But maybe common love for Trump overtakes these theological convictions, Dreyer wrote. My response is, what theological convictions? Idolatry has taken the precedence over theology. This, this word idolatry gets thrown out all the time. And we need to be careful with how we use this word. Um, it's a, it's a very serious charge when you say someone is idolatrous. You're saying that they're worshiping a false god in the place of the true god. Um, so let's see if he backs it up. At the same time, there is a theological heart to Christian Trumpism. Please note that I'm not talking about voting for President Trump or one's praise of the election's outcome. Equally sincere Christians may be divided over these matters, which is why the Lord gave us Christian freedom to vote our conscience. Further, I've said quite a lot over the past several decades in criticisms of both those on the left as well as the right 
for trying to make Jesus a mascot in their culture wars. This is the obligatory. Tim Keller does this all the time. You know, I'm a moderate. I criticize both sides. Uh, my public calling is not to bind Christians' consciences to my political positions. <laughs> okay. Um, so you, you, eh. where did you come out against all the examples I was giving of people doing just that? Rather, as a minister of the word, I am joining others in sounding the alarm that a line has been crossed into rank spiritual adultery. Uh, what's what's the line that's been crossed? I mean, here that's the question. It's like, what what line are you talking about? You still haven't really told us. People showed up at a rally because they thought the election was stolen, and they're right, and they're concerned about it. And they happen to bring their faith with them and the principles that guide them to think that way. That's mainly what happened. Yeah, there was a moment on the stage where, uh, one that I saw in the two hours I watched, there was a moment there where I think a line was crossed. But you're, you're coloring the whole entire event as if that, that was the purpose. That's what, it, that's what happened. Meanwhile, the people that you hang out with, the very publication you're publishing on, breaks these rules all the time. Uh, and, and nothing. You got to ask yourself, why do, the line, why do the guns point in one direction? How come? Uh, I mean, this, this is like kicking a cat. I mean, this doesn't take a whole lot of uh, courage to stand up against those who the media is also calling, uh, you know, conspiracy theorists, you know, Q fans, etc. I mean, this doesn't take any kind of courage for him to write this. You know, it would take courage to stand up against the very publication he's writing in. Wake up call. For many of us, it's easy to recognize the assimilation of Christian faith to cultural and prog political progressivism. But it's time for all of us finally to take the log out of our own eye. The Jericho March was a blip in the news cycle, but maybe it can be a wake up call for Christ's body. What were we, by the way, political progressivism, what, you know, flesh it out. Where's the articles? Tell us, what do you mean? The assimilation of Christian faith into political progressivism. Flesh that out for us. Give us examples. You're giving us examples on the Jericho March. Give us examples uh, from, from the other side. If you you know, you criticize it instead of writing in one of their publications. The Jericho March was a blip in the news cycle. Okay. We just read that. What we're witnessing on the national stage right now is disgraceful. In fact, the only word for it is blasphemy, the sacrilege, not of secularists, secularists marching on Washington to take away religious freedom, but of evangelicals marching on Washington to perpetuate a cult. So now we have, uh, it's a cult and it's idolatry. We still haven't been given clear examples of why exactly, but that's what we're told. We might have ignored this as a spectacle, a performance by a handful of voices in opposition to the constitutional system of our republic. Okay, now they're against the constitutional. How about the fact that they're coming out in support of the constitutional system, saying that it has been uh, completely abused? Um, this is this is left is right, right right is left, right is wrong, wrong is right. I mean, up is down. This, I mean, what in the world? But I feel conscience bound as a minister of the word to warn against what can only be considered a heresy. And so, look at all the words. This is so. The, this is, I'm going to just tell you right now, I've noticed this over time. The evangelical left, like most progressives, the way they operate is name-calling. Watch for this tactic. The way they operate is name-calling. I mean, this is like the fourth thing we've seen and the third name he's called them. They're heretics. Um, it's, a, uh, it's idolatry. Uh, and they're part of a cult. Um, and, and, of course, they're, they're against the Constitution, right? We haven't even seen this stuff substantiated yet in the article. But you already have this stuff. Uh, and this, this is the way to, it's, it's style, it's fashion, it's optics. It's not reason. It's not giving pr primary source. This is what I saw. This is what was said. And this is why I'm concerned. 
Um, and this, this is what concerns me is like, I spend hours on this guys. And you know, over time, I, I give you the reasons I, I share with you. This is why I think, you know, what A, B and C is an issue. This is why it's a problem, etc. Um, the only thing we've heard from this article so far is yeah, there were Catholics there. There was a prayer to Mary or something. I don't, I don't, I didn't even remember that when I, the two hours I watched this thing, I don't remember that. I'll take his word for it. Um, but I think he's misunderstanding the purpose for the rally, or at least why most people would have thought that they were there. I mean, this, look, I'll just tell you, this rally was being covered by people on uh, what's now considered by the mainstream the fringe right. But it was like Bannon's war room who was there with reporters. Not a Christian outfit, right? Um, I think Fox News might have been there uh, covering this. So center left. Is Fox News center left now? Is that? <laughs> oh, I'm just trying to get all the uh, the left, left leaners mad at me. Um, yeah, that's, that's how I consider their reporting to be center left. Uh, the, who else was there? I don't even remember. There was, there was a few, I think Breitbart, there was, you know, there's some of these not Christian organizations primarily, uh, Christian, most of the evangelical Christian organizations weren't represented at that, uh, that rally. Um, this, I think it's more of a populist groundswell of people who have faith and they care, uh, because of the thou shalt not lie is important to them. And they're coming to support, uh, an effort to support the president. Um, and basically say, look, we, we're not, uh, we're, we're not going along with what the mainstream wants us to go along with. Um, and if you miss that, if you miss that, that is what it was, uh, more, I, I think you miss the whole boat. You miss the whole thing. You miss them, but you don't understand how working class people think about this. And that's, what's making up the, uh, the demographic of those who showed up. They are there because they are trying to infuse biblical ideas into political ones, hold the country accountable, hold the, 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 uh, those who represent us accountable. They are not there to infuse political views into biblical ones like the evangelical left tries to do. So, uh, let's keep going. We, we don't have a, a lot of time here, so I want to go quicker. Um, it's a cult. Yes. We might have ignored this as a spectacle. Uh, let's see. Uh, we wrote that. Okay. Uh, it has arisen over many decades and will no doubt be around for many more to come. While worrying about the secularists outside, many of us have failed to recognize uh, with the secularization right under our noses, under our noses, as the rich cuisine of biblical faith is traded for a mess of pop culture stew. This idolatry inhibits the church's work of evangelism in myriad ways. Now, I can't help but think about uh, the Gospel Coalition, right? Trading biblical faith for pop culture stew. I mean, the Gospel Coalition is the poster child for this. They just posted an article last week. On basically to cheer you up about 2020, here's all the pop culture, literally, they use the word, here are the pop culture uh, films for you to to look at. You know, maybe I could find it real quick here. Uh, pop culture films, I'll just type this in, 2020 Gospel Coalition. Uh, I saw a headline for it, 20 pieces of goodness. Here it is, 20 pieces of goodness in 2020 pop culture on December 16th by Brett McCracken. And uh, we have a picture here of an actor who's making a face. And, um, oh, yeah, it's given us, oh, given us SNL quotes, Justin Bieber. Oh, man, British period dramas. Uh, oh, so many things here. <laughs> this is so, oh, goodness gracious. So um, so let's read that. Now, with that context, let's, and by the way, that was yesterday. That was the 16th. That's the same day that this article was released. Isn't that interesting? The idolatry of um, the rich cuisine of biblical faith is traded for a mess of pop culture stew. You, you can't make this up. They published both these articles on the same day. 
Oh, man. All right. Uh, internally, it turns the saving gospel into worldly power. Externally, the hypocrisy of some evangelicals has been exposed to a cynical and watching world. Okay, so then you're ruining your witness. That's the argument there. Uh, the demographic, let's see. He doesn't know how many people are there, um, but it's, uh, you got neo-Pentecostals there. Uh, these three trends, he says, are Christian, Americanism, end times conspiracy, and the prosperity gospel. I think the wheels start coming off here, to be quite honest with you. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't identify in these groups. Uh, I don't know, what, depending on what he means by Christian Americanism. I mean, obviously, no historian worth his salt can say that America is, is not a Christian nation in the sense that it's been very infused with Christian mores, social mores, standards, uh, even our legal ideas. Um, that would be just utterly stupid to to make the claim that we're not or we're secular or something, which um, <laughs> hopefully he doesn't go there, but... Yeah, it's a Gospel Coalition article. He probably will. The principled pluralism thing, right? Uh, but but uh, the other two, end times conspiracy, prosperity gospel, I'm not going to deny that those are part of Trump's constituency on some level. Uh, I'm not part of that, but I I, I would see, I, I could see elements of that, certainly, especially with the advisors he has. And here's the thing, though. Is that what motivates working class people to get up and on a weekend travel to D.C.? Because they're not from there, most of them and rally or is it the fact that they think that this election has been stolen from them which if you listen to a lot of the speakers that's what you're going to hear election has been stolen and they are concerned and they want to appeal to god they don't know where else to turn and that's where they're turning certainly not getting any cover fire from their uh from you know quote unquote big eva leaders i mean apparently they michael horton's bought into the idea that there wasn't a steal so where, who are they going to turn to um they're they're gathering for support mutual support of one another and those who are interested in stopping the steal are the ones who were present the the net, networks i mean there weren't many but you had like bannon's war room there i think uh you had like breitbart i think was covering it you, epoch times was there i mean these are the group they're not christian groups epoch times i think is owned by Falun gong um what's the thing what's the commonality the commonality is they think that there has been fraud that's taken place and they are worried about the future for their kids and grandkids uh what kind of a country is it going to be there's really not not a need to make it much more complicated than that and people that have a deep religious view are going to uh, and it's not wrong for them to express that religious view and apply that religious ethic um, he keeps going. We're, we've gone over an hour now, so I don't think I'm going to keep going with this article. I'll just look at, uh, he, he deals, it looks like, with Christian Americanism, whatever that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, he tries to use James Madison to say we have a non-sectarian constitution. I'm not sure. What, what's his point, if not to try to, um, the good news, he says, is not moral improvement or a Christian society or any political system. Right, as if Christians uh, who promote a Christian ethic are confusing that with the gospel itself. That's a straw man. You hear this from Big Eva all the time. Uh, so, okay, we're not going to get into that. End times conspiracy. Um, he talks about late great planet Earth. Uh, and the, the, it's true. There's been a lot of um, conspiracy theorists who have said, you know, this person is, is uh, you know, the Antichrist or whatever. Okay, those people exist, but that's really all he says. Those people exist. Okay, that doesn't. What is? I don't know what that has to do with the rally so much. I didn't hear that language there. I didn't hear anyone accusing anyone of being the antichrist. Prosperity gospel. Um, so he's really what he's doing is going through the dangers. Um, 
So yeah, he does go, uh, Eric Metaxas uh, said about the Jericho March's founder's vision. When God gives you a vision, you don't need to know anything else. Um, I would be kind of uncomfortable with that language, but I'm not going to assume that that language uh, does, is he talking about a literal vision, like a prophetic uh, kind of Old Testament style angel came to him vision? Or is he, uh, I mean, unfortunately, and I, I'm not defending this comment at all. Unfortunately, though, we are in a time when, you know, the Lord put this on my heart. Have you ever said that to someone? The Lord put this on my heart. I mean, that's kind of the same thing. Really? Did the Lord really put that on your heart? Um, we've gotten very loose with our theological language, and that's part of the problem here. And uh, I, I wonder if He's taking advantage of this, but um, he misses the point. Here's the problem, guys. I'm going to read the last paragraph. Blend these three ingredients with a generous dose of hucksterism, self-promotion, and personality cult, and it's not surprising that we have a cult of tr Christian Trumpism. Though it has nothing to do with serious politics or serious Christianity, it's the culmination of many decades of exploiting both, and the end result is dangerous enthusiasm that opposes both. This is disgusting. This is absolutely disgusting, in my opinion. Um, this is... Oh, I should have. <laughs> I wasn't scrolling and showing you. Sorry about that. This this is disgusting because he misses the whole entire point of the rally. He misses why people would have showed up for it. He misses the problem that they're identifying. He just dismisses it. Doesn't give any reason uh, anything. He just condemns them. That's all he's doing. It's name calling and it's con condemnation. That's all you're getting from this article, basically. And 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 we should be above that. We should. I'm so disappointed in Michael Horton for this. And I wasn't. I truth be told, I was never a big fan of the White Horse Inn. I hate to say it. There was, I remember I listened to it a few times and um, the, years ago, they started going down the whole same-sex attraction is innate orientation kind of thing. And I'm like, what? And I remember listening to them and being like, what is going on here? And then he wrote this whole thing, as I recall, defending Tim Keller. Tim Keller is, uh, uh, he's not a Marxist. And of course, I get get my my book. I have a whole chapter on Tim Keller. Um you can get that at socialjusticegoestochurch.com, by the way. And, uh, you know, I have a problem uh, sh shamelessly promoting uh, myself, I guess. <laughs> I wonder if Michael Horton has a problem. Maybe I'm just trying to get power. This is why I plugged my book. Uh, no, actually, I want you to, I, I, that's why I have it for such a reasonable price. I want you to, to know these things, but I digress. Um, I remember him writing that and I'm like, what is he? It was, it was so poorly written and just poorly researched and it just, it is clear that he was compromised politically. And, and that's, I th unfortunately, I think what we're seeing here, this is a political compromise. Uh, it, it purposely misunderstanding, I think, why people showed up. Um, at least tried, I mean, this is the problem with, with those of us on the conservative uh, politically and theologically, the, the, those of us on, in this category who are critical of what's going on in the evangelical left. We see a false gospel emerging. We see compromises being made. And when, especially... When we look at the political movements, we'll take Black Lives Matter as an example, we see things that are blatantly anti-Christian. And it's not like they are, uh, you know, on the fringe, they're, you know, okay, someone said a comment at a rally. No, 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 it's like, that's actually fundamental to the organization. We're just going to their beliefs. We're going to like, okay, even at the most basic level, America's systemically racist, the police are systemically racist, and we need to either abolish them or reform them, and, uh, and Black Lives Matter. Like, even that itself is... Is, is a problem. And I've walked you through hours of explaining just why it is and why and, and who's benefiting from this and all of that. We don't just come out and condemn. We don't just name call. We explain and, and we don't get that same treatment. Um, I, I wouldn't consider, I, I was not at that, that rally. 
uh, I wouldn't consider myself um, maybe even part of that coalition as much uh, that, that he describes. But I have a sympathy with people who care about an election that's been stolen and want to apply biblical principles. And the fact that Michael Horton uh, doesn't seem to understand that um, is uh, bothersome. And, uh, and the hypocrisy is just amazing. So uh, that's, that's uh, all I have to say on that. Uh, we're going too long. As I said at the beginning, it's a short episode. It's not. It's uh, sorry. I didn't. <laughs> I should never say that, guys. Uh, but I don't want to go over an hour, and uh, and we've already done that. I hope this was helpful to you in some ways. Um, I uh, uh, last, you know, just last but not least, um, if you do order the book again uh, today uh, on the seventeenth, you will get a copy of um, Scott David Allen's book as well. Why social justice is not biblical justice. I may be shipping it to you through Amazon, uh, but that deal is only today. It ends at midnight tomorrow. So. Um, I hope that was helpful to you. Uh, tune in tomorrow to hear uh, myself, Stephen Wolf, Thomas Accord talk about more about Christian nationalism, whatever that is. Um, and we're going to talk about a philosophy of place and identity and all this good stuff. And I hope uh, you're there for it. So God bless you and uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon and evening. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.